This episode of the Golf Gaming Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. And we're also brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. The world's greatest shorts are hooking you up with a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. All right, DJs, welcome to a special episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast. Uh, we have special guest Jeff Benson, who's the head of operations at the Circus Sportsbook, who is nice enough to carve out a little time on a busy night for us to kind of uh, break down how the books look at uh, golf gambling compared to uh, us idiots. So, uh, Jeff, appreciate you taking a little time and coming to talk with us, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Obviously, you know, there's four weeks a year, you know, plus the players where, you know, it's definitely has that major-esque feel and you know obviously being able to do an expanded menu um on weeks like this and you know just the amount of volume you see from both you know the the sharp guy and the, and the recreational more public type betters it, it's really cool obviously you know having the four uh you know the four biggest you know weeks of the year uh is certainly special from a golf perspective and you know, obviously having a mixture of you know the live guys and the pga guys certainly going to make it uh you know, a special, special experience. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know a lot of the fans are, and like I said, it should be a great week. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely crazy, especially with uh, the live announcement and the PIF stuff and all this other craziness that's going on. It'll be nice just to kind of get to golf and eliminate some of the noise. Absolutely. We can deal with that uh, as it comes, because in reality, nobody knows shit. Um, so, Jeff, for the people uh, who don't know you, give a little bio, man. How did you end up out in Vegas? Uh, you an analytics guy, numbers guy, gambling guy. What made you want to get into this business? Yeah, I grew up on the East Coast, um, you know, always had, you know, my local bookie you know i was in march madness pool things like that played sports growing up obviously loved watching sports and things like that so it was obviously natural to bet on them um obviously as i got into college um you know that betting continued you know albeit at a at a little bit of a bigger scale than you know when i was younger um you know when i graduated college in 2012 you know this was obviously before you know, legalization and PASPA. So really the only place to kind of, you know, within the States to, to get into the industry and to do so at a high level was to come out to Vegas. So came out to Vegas, bet for a little bit, and then ultimately wanted to, you know, get behind the counter, you know, learn more about the business and, and try to work my way up. So got behind the counter, you know, like uh, many people who have risen up, you know, started by writing tickets and became a supervisor. And then obviously, um, you know, taking a position over here at Circa uh, in terms of helping open and start Circa Sports and, and been over here about going on five years now. So I'm the director of operations here, uh, really run the front of house and oversee a lot of, you know, our customer service, um, you know, our support, you know, a lot of our social media stuff, you know, just a number of different things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's fun to be a part of, you know, a, a, a book that I think, you know, does things the right way in terms of sports betting. And, you know, I think, you know, as, as we get into the interview, you know, the listener is going to see that, uh, particularly in the way we treat golf and, and the odds that we put up. 
Yeah, you guys have a great reputation uh, among the gambling community being a sharp book, a fair book. You know, there's so many shady cats out there who they pull nonsense. They they limit people when they hit one freaking bet after they've dumped, you know, hundreds of dollars into the place or thousands of dollars, depending on, you know, what your unit size is. And uh, yeah, uh, I've been out there. Uh, I love the place. It's very nice. Uh, the the network. I uh, love Circa. So, uh, yeah, it, it is nice to have you on. It, it, it's uh yeah, it's funny to see you guys interact uh, on Twitter and kind of go go at the different books. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, so you guys definitely believe in taking care of the better. So is it more of like you take care of them and you know the volume is going to come? You don't care if you get beat over and over and over again. You know that the house edge in the long term prevails. Is that I mean, is that the reason? One of the reasons why? Yeah, I mean, obviously for us, you know, we're guys. You know, when you think about the guys we have up top, you know, Matt Metcalf, um, you know, who used to be our sports book uh, director. You know, he's somebody who's bet professionally. Um, you know, Chris Bennett, who's now our new sports book director, you know, he's somebody who's bet professionally, you know, we're just guys that, you know, we want to put out a product that resonates with people and we want to be treated the way that we would want to be treated if we were at the counter. So, you know, for us, obviously it's a very different model and a very different approach than what you see in the industry. Right. Um, you know, but we think with our talent and with our expertise and our experience, you know, that this is. A, the most profitable way to run a sports book, and then B, it's also the most ethical way to run a sports book. So for us, you know, whether you're holding 3% or whether you're holding, you know, 7, 8, 9%, you know, regardless, you know, those are both low holds. Um, And I think in a low hold game, you know, you have to be doing everything possible to incentivize volume. And, you know, for us, anything we put on the, our board, you know, we want to take a fair bet to. Um, you know, and that's what we intend to do. And, you know, for us, you know, even if you have winning players, you know, if you're able to utilize their information and they're able to make your line sharper, and then you're able to take more action or position yourself, um, you know, on the side, uh, you know, of of the guy who's sharp and who's winning and who has market influence, um, and who's going to beat the closing number, you know, I think those, are things that if you know how to utilize them in the correct way uh, can help you earn and can certainly help you make more money. Um, I would say, obviously that's a, you know, very polarizing topic in the industry. And I think, you know, most of the recreational books, you know, don't believe that, or they don't know how to work with the action um, Mm -hmm. or they don't know what to do with it. So it's really just, you know, limit to such a small amount, you know, that it really makes it hard for somebody who's looking to bet to get down at these places, which, you know, gets back to my point of disincentivizing volume. So, like I said, for us, you know, we applied for a license. And when we applied for a license, our goal was to take bets. Uh, and I think there's a lot of places, you know, in the country, you know, that have gotten to this business, um, you know, and they've spent money and they've, you know, hired celebrities and they've yep. done everything they can to ingratiate themselves to the American customer, except for taking bets. Um, and so it's just, yeah, like I said, it's something that I don't really understand. And I think for the average recreational consumer, I think it's, you know, a frustrating experience. Yeah, I can imagine. There's nothing more insulting than somebody who, who bets and has been betting for decades than to have some 
<laughs> some sports book trying to have Jamie Foxx or somebody like that sell me on betting. I don't care what celebrity you have. You know what I mean? And I don't. I, I don't know if we're obviously we're obviously the smaller po- uh, population who who've been betting offshores and things like that for a long time. We're going to see your local. I mean, as it expands to new states, I mean, I guess I see what they're doing, but. I don't think they can see the forest through the trees. They're going to get, they're going to give all, you know what I mean? They're going to get these small action to begin and they're going to turn away the guys who can't get the action down. They're still going to go down the street to veto or they're going to go offshore because they can get bigger stuff done. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's this whole conversation of, you know, legalization and rah, rah, rah. And we want to do everything possible to bring back all the tax money and everything on shore. And all of that is well and good. And it's something that I want to support. But then you have these shops that don't take a bet or they price gouge their players into oblivion. And it's like, like, I'm not, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're simply like, we have fair pricing and we take bets. And by doing so, we think we're going to generate volume. And, you know, like I said, if these other shops don't have that opinion or that thought, why, why do we think all this money is going to come on shore? Why do we think somebody's going to use our product? So, you know, I, you make a great point. And, and I was DMing with somebody earlier today who, who, who bets golf with us. And you know, he's not in a state that we um, currently operate in and he didn't have the ability to come out to Vegas, um, you know, to get down for the U S yeah. open this week. So he was, he was in uh, Louisiana and he was, you know, trying to get down at one of the shops in, in Louisiana. And he was, he was looking to bet like, you know, $1,500 on cam Smith at whatever price they had, yeah. you know, which would have won, you know, less than 50,000, which is like nothing, you know, for a major week. Right. And, and the, the amount of work <laughs> and the amount of difficulty that he told me it took, you know, just to, just to try to even get 1500 on Cam Smith at, you know, say 30 to one or something right. like that was just, just incredible. And it just, like I said, it makes you scratch your head and it, it really makes you just sit here and say like, you know, what are we even doing? Um, you know, if we're not in the business of taking bets. Yeah, he probably had to talk to three supervisors, 10, 10, sign 10 different pieces of paper, and he had exactly. to sit there for like three hours to wait to get you, his 1500 down. You, you hit the nail on the head, and, <laughs> you know, God forbid if he actually wins, you know, getting paid. Yeah, good luck collecting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good, good luck collecting. <laughs> and, and, and then certainly, you know, uh, you, you won't be welcomed back for the British. So, yeah, no, no question about it. And that's the funny thing. So you look at it and like, like, so I'm originally from Boston, right? So um, that just got, legalized up there and then you'll see some of these lines that some of these places are putting out and the juice is like 130 135 and you know the average new dude or or girl betting has no idea how bad that price is over the long term they have no idea and it's like these books want to capitalize on that versus guys who will come in and throw fifteen hundred dollars on golf which is which is it's the it's a ridiculous sport to bet on it's there's so many variables you know what i mean like you can only do so much with golf get a player profile but it's not it's it's one of the tougher sports to handicap do you agree with that yeah i mean to, yeah. to your point though when you talk about the the juice associated with a lot of different wagers you know for us you know i think something that really you know sets us apart like i said you know we we do have some of the best and fairest pricing within the market. Um, and as you think about golf, given that this is a golf podcast, you know, when you think about the future book market, um, you know, it, the future book market, particularly in golf, you know, especially over the last several months and things like that, I, I think it's really eroded in, in terms of the quality of the offering from a lot of Agreed. these sports books. And, you know, when you think about the theoretical hold, which is 
basically what the book would, you know, all things being considered equal, what the book would okay. expect to make for every hundred dollars that's wagered into the pool. The lower the theoretical hold for an operator, the better it is for a player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look at what our theoretical hold on the U.S. Open right now is, it's 19%. We may nope. get a little bit uh, lower uh, as we get closer to the event teeing off. Um, but I think when you look around the industry, you're going to see a lot of other places at 25%, 30%, 35%, 40%. Gosh. I mean, you could you could get a golfer, you know, that's in the market at 50 to one, you know, you're probably going to find them at circus sports at 75, a hundred to one. Um, yeah, and these are things that really add up over the long run for a better. Yep. And, you know, for us, we believe we're going to make our money in the long run and we're going to make more of it by having fairer prices and by writing more bets. And, and I think with a lot of these different operators, you know, they, they don't know how to manage a future book properly and they may you know, the difference between what we do and what they do, you know, on Monday, their theoretical hold may be low, you know, may, may be, you know, palatable, you know, it, it, it may be, you know, enough to look at it and say, you know, you're, it's, it's not awful. Um, you know, it's certainly not great, but it's not awful. But then as you get into Tuesday, Wednesday, it's a lot of, you know, we took a bet on somebody at 81. He's now 60 to one. Right. We took a bet on somebody at 60 to one. He's now 40 to one. Okay, well, that's all well and good. How about the guys that at 40 to one that you didn't take any money on? Are they now 60 to one? Right, no, absolutely. Are the guys who are who are 60 to one who 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 you you know, you you haven't seen one bet on? Are they 80 to one? No, it's constantly lowering guys without raising guys. And for us, by having a targeted theoretical hold, you know, you know, as I was you know, sitting at my desk watching the ticker, you know, we, you know, we take a, you know, we took a, you know, a bet on, uh, on Rom, you know, plus, uh, 11, 11, you know, for like three dimes to win whatever, yeah. you know, and then, and then, you know, Jeff Davis, who's, you know, our director of risk, you know, he'll, he'll look at that. He'll say, you know, what's the limit, you know, what's our liability on John Rom, and where do I want to go based on how much do I respect the player who is betting that amount on John Rom, so right. he may go from a ele- plus eleven eleven to say plus ten seventy five, right? And then by doing so, you know our theoretical hold may go from nineteen percent to nineteen point two percent, and then now he's got to have now he has the tall task of going through the list and saying, oh, you know we haven't taken a bet on the you know Hideki this week. Let's go from sixty one to sixty three on him. You know, yep. keep going down the list. You know, we ha- we you know we're not seeing much you know action on Cam Young, for example. Let's go from fifty to fifty three, and just keep working his way down and actively managing the pool so that he can get back to that nineteen percent number and continue to offer you know fair the price. best in class and, and the most fair offering for our players. You know, most of these shops is just continually chop, 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 um, and you know if you're not up at eight a.m. looking at this stuff on you know on a Monday morning. By the time he gets to Wednesday, there's just damn near no value in the market um, because, you know, they've lowered everybody and consequently they haven't raised anybody. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's my own personal nightmare living in Florida, watching all the odds disappear on me uh, on on Monday before my locals put it out. It's a uh, it's quite a miserable experience. Uh, um, so so I I don't uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're busy. Uh, so we did have some questions that we you know uh, some of us wanted answered, right? So. Uh, you just kind of hit on you hit on a bunch of it, right? So we'll just get a little bit more specific, right? So just like you said, this guy they just dropped you know three dimes on Ram. How much do you uh, respect him, right? So how much does sharp money actually influence the fluctuations? Um, you know, since the probability is what less than five percent for each golfer for the most part, um, or is it just theoretical hold that moves it more? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, for us, obviously, you know, this week you're going to see bigger bets because it's a major. You know, the limits are going to be higher. You know, you take, you know, if you have a guy, you know, two guys who show up to the counter and they both want to bet, you know, five dimes on John Rahm, those five dime bets from the, from each of those people, person A and person B, yeah. one, one of those bets may be from somebody who we profile as sharp. And one of those bets may be from somebody we profile, you know, as not sharp. And depending upon who is placing the bet, that's going to dictate how much we move, if at all. Gotcha. Um, you know, obviously, when you take a full limit bet on, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, I, I was watching the ticker. You know, we took a full limit bet on Justin Rose um, plus five, 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 yeah. five yeah. Um, for, for, <laughs> for two dimes, you know, from from somebody we respect, you know, that that's going to be something that probably is going to necessitate you know, a bigger move um, than if my dad shows up and wants to bet <laughs> a couple thousand on Justin Rose because, you know, he's not profiled as anything and we may not respect him as much. So, right. like I said, I, I think where you go uh, and the depth uh, of the move, you know, has a lot to do with who is betting it, uh, you know, where your liability is. Um, you know, do you want to win to this golfer? You know, if he wins the tournament, do you care if the golfer wins the tournament? If you lose to him, you know, have people bet, you know, the, the other thing that we have that we have to be cognizant about is, you know, we have a, a, a buy and a sell side for the golfers, you know, given that, you know, it, it's probably most more prudent for the people at, uh, you know, the top of the board, but you say Scotty Scheffler, for example, you know, you can bet on Scotty Scheffler to win the golf tournament. You can also short Scotty Scheffler and bet on him not to win the golf tournament. So I don't have the app in front of me, but, right. um, you know, Scheffler's, let's say he's, you know, six to one, the take back on the no, maybe like minus $8. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, you know, for us, the, the thing that you see with a lot of other places that you don't see with circus sports, if, and you really, this example you know, becomes magnified when you think about a guy like Tiger Woods, mm. you know, when Tiger Woods in the last couple majors, you know, obviously he's, he's very, very hurt. Um, but there's people who want to bet Tiger for whatever reason. Yeah. And books get to a point where they have such an uncomfortable liability, whether they believe he can win or not, that they just artificially right. lower him to a number that's almost unbettable. And as a better, you have no recourse to wager on the other side right unless you bet with circus sports and so like i said you know for us you know if we have such a huge liability on scotty scheffler we can't go to three to one right and and, and hope that nobody else bets him at that number <laughs> right. because if we go to that number and the market's at six to one and now our no price is like minus 450 they're just going to scalp us so yeah 
having a yes, no, it really protects the player because it, it, it allows us to book what is, or it allows the market to really Ridiculous. tell us what the right number is. Um, and, it, and it allows us not to price gouge players and it allows us to offer a fair product. Um, if we don't want to take more on somebody, we can go as low as we want on the yes, but we also have to be cognizant of what that no price is. Yeah. Because we allow winning betters to play with us, there's going to be people who then ultimately play that no price given what's out there in the market. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that kind of leads to, so I, I always wanted this, right? So like, how do you guys look at the risk in golf versus like other sports like football, right? There's only two teams, you know, you can take a stand, you can middle, you can, you know, you can want a team to win. You can, you know what I mean? You can do whatever you kind of want and take a stand. How do you do that with golf with this? So many, so many people, do you ever want to take a stand on a certain golfer or is it like, what is it, what is it like to like, what can you do? I guess, I guess it's the hold is the answer, but it, it's so different from every other sport. Like, it, is it more variable? Is it, is it harder to do than a football game? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't uh, equate it to a football game. I would equate it yeah. to managing like a Super Bowl pool. Okay. Um, so I, you look at it as a future pool, you know, and, and for us, you know, I've always, I've always been taught to, you know, that you really want to book to the teams, or in this case, the players, that you really think can win the golf tournament. Um, so obviously, you know, Jeff Davis uh, and, and Sam, you know, Cooney, who oversee our golf department, you know, they do a fantastic job. You know, they're opinionated in the sense that, you know, if the market has 15 to one on a guy and we, you know, we're, we're going to hang what we believe is the true price. So, you know, if that true price is 10 to one or 12 to one, you know, we may go, quote unquote, off market and hang the number that we think is right. And then ultimately, once we start seeing bets, we're going to utilize the information from our winning players to help put us in a position where we feel comfortable, you know, on Thursday when, when, when they tee off. So like I said, it, it's like managing any other future book. Um, you're going to have positions going in on A, I think this golfer can win. You know, B, I think this golfer can't win. Um, you're going to come up with what your prices are, obviously, you know, a little bit irrespective of the market for us, given that we're, you know, opinionated and we have guys making our own numbers and we're not just looking at the screen, you know, copying. <laughs> right. And then because we actually allow winning players to play with us, you know, once we start to see some bets, you know, we're able, you know, we, we, if we don't see any bets on certain guys or we see people betting no on a certain guy, like this is all information we can use to make our prices better and to make our goal future book more efficient. Um, and I think maybe when you look at a lot of other books, because they don't have winning players uh, or they don't allow them to, you know, bet into them. Continue to play. Um, and then also because, you know, maybe they don't make their own numbers and they have no opinion on what a golfer should be. Um, it's a lot harder for them to manage a future book, you know, whereas, you know, between our experienced, um, odds makers and the, and the bets we're seeing, you know, it gives us guidance and direction on, on, on where those name, numbers need to go. So I, I would say that's really how we go about evaluating the risk. Um, and, and then, you know, Matt, uh, like, like I mentioned, who used to be our sports book director, you know, he, he, he always said something that stuck with me. And I, I think a lot of shops don't understand this. You know, you take a big bet, you know, on somebody who's, 
you know, a hundred to one and let's say you take a five dime bet on them, you know, to win half a million dollars. Right. Well, then, then what do you do? You're so nervous about that bet. Right. The, most books just chop the odds for everybody and are just like so scared by it. Right. But your, your goal should be to raise the odds of other golfers and write more. The right. only way to, to, to lessen and, and reduce risk and reduce variance and reduce liability is to write more. And a, a lot of shops, um, it's the antithesis. You know, they take a few bets, they get nervous about their positions, they sell their positions off, um, and then they don't write more. Um, and that's not the most you know profitable or efficient way to manage a future book. Yeah, man, when you when you just explained it like that, I never thought of it like that. It absolutely makes more sense to write more because not you got to have one winner. So if that guy ends up taking you to the house, you need you need you need more bets to offset that number. So yeah, yeah uh, that, that's that, that's crazy that more people don't think of it that way. When when you're when you're in trouble, write more. Yeah. And the only way to get out of trouble is to write more. And the <laughs> only way to write more is to raise the prices on other golfers. I like it. I like it, which leads me into this. So I don't see it so much on your book when I, when I check it out online, but it seems like since live, like one of the biggest complaints as a, as a, as a golf better that, that I have, that lots of people have, it's like they condensed the board. Like it used to be, they'd be like, you know, five to eight guys, 20 or under or 25 or under. And now I feel like they're just jamming everybody that has any type of value of a name at 30 or under, no matter how they're playing. The fact that JT is like 50 to one at some of these shady books is mind blowing to me because they've been hanging him at 20 and 22 for the past couple of weeks, regardless of how well he's been playing. And it's been really frustrating to see. So is it just because they know they can take advantage of the market and they know they're just going to take action on it if you can't go anywhere else? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I certainly think it boils down to a little bit of that. Um, you know, if, if you can, you know, when you, when you think about blackjack, you know, if you can offer blackjack at six to five and people are going to play it, why would yeah. you offer it at three to two? I mean, Fair. that's not thinking about the moral and ethical component of it. Um, right. or thinking about just like, if you have blackjack at six, if you have blackjack at three to two, people are going to come in and bet it. So right. for us, if we have, if we have a theoretical hold of 19%, we think we're going to get more bets than by having a theoretical hold of 25%. Um, and we think we're going to make more in the long run. These books, they don't agree with that. Um, and when you look at the industry, if, if you can, you know, if, if you can make guys 25 to one, as opposed to 35 to one, and they're still going to bet it, you know, these, these shops have no problem doing that. Yeah. And I would say the other thing, you know, the, the guys leaving for live certainly watered down the product. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, the DJs and, and the Brookses and the Brysons, you know, the, the separate, you know, Cam Smith, the separation of a lot of these top guys, um, and, and taking them out. And, you know, now you have guys like, you know, Denny McCarthy, who used to be 150 <laughs> to one every week. And now he's, you know, 50 to one yeah. stuff, st stuff like that. Yep. You know, I, I think it just devalues the product and it's going to make the parity much less. And, and obviously then subsequently the odds worse. So I, I think obviously with the whole, you know, LIV and then PGA tour coming back and all of the best golfers in the world, um, you know, playing on the same tour and, and the same stage, I think that's going to be a, you know, a win for betters, you yeah, know, and, and I think 
this week is as good of an example as possible. You know, the majors are the four most bad events every year. And it's because they have the best golfers in them, which subsequently, you know, there's a lot of dead money from a lot of square betters out there, but you're going to get the longest odds on every single golfer because you have the, you know, you have the strongest fields. And I think obviously with, you know, the live guys coming back, I, I think that'll be a benefit for golfers and, yeah, like I said, it's frustrating to watch, you know, a lot of these books just continue to price gouge players and continue to raise their theoretical hold. And, you know, you know, what's, you know, a fairly decent product on Monday, you know, become quickly eroded on, you know, a Wednesday evening, but by Tuesday, man, I was trying to be kind, um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, it is frustrating for the for the average, you know, golf better, um, you know, that continually sees, you know, the odds get worse, um, and, and certainly never in their favor. So yeah, like I said, I was talking with Jeff about that. He had a couple of tweets about that and yeah, you know, hopefully we'll have more books, you know, that, uh, you know, promote fair pricing and, and understanding that if they do so, you know, ultimately they're going to write more, um, than had they otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. All right, so some just uh, just a couple more fun questions. Uh, so it's a, I always wonder, like, because sometimes you can catch books sleeping uh, during like football season with golf because uh, everybody's focused on because you know they're going to get more handle with the NFL. So uh, on like a on a fall swing for a golf tour, what percentage of weekly bets do you get compared to like a football or like the height of the NBA season? Ballpark. Yeah, I mean, I would say you know by and large, particularly after COVID. Golf has continued to get more popular um, year in and year out. Um, you know, just the stuff they're doing with fantasy golf. Um, you know, just the visibility that golf had that maybe it didn't have five to ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so for us, like I said, we, you know, our our golf menu gets bigger each and every year. Um, you know, our golf handle gets bigger, and you know, every year. Obviously, it's never going to be one of the four major sports, right, right. but I would say particularly, obviously, you know, the majors are going to write a ton, you know, but definitely during the summer, you know, now that NBA and NHL is over, you know, yeah. you're going to have a, you know, a time frame of two, two and a half months, you know, where there's not going to be a lot of mainstream sports. And, you know, I think for us, you know, we're going to see a bigger handle on golf than what we would see on you know, CFL, you know, USFL, XFL, WNBA, NASCAR, you know, golf yeah. is, is definitely going to outright those, those sports. And then obviously once you get into preseason football and, you know, the, the big sports start to, to roll back into action, you know, maybe you'll see a little bit of that, you know, weekly interest, uh, dissipate. Fain. Yeah. Fain a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, major weeks, um, you know, that's just, the, the king of golf season. And, you know, like I said, you know, we're, we're certainly in the midst of it right now. And, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully we have a, 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 a good golf summer, um, in terms of number of events. And obviously with the announcement here in the last couple of weeks, yeah. you know, hopefully, that leads to, hopefully that leads to better odds, uh, yeah. you know, for every better tournaments, better tournaments too. That's it, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so all right. So is the book at any disadvantage when they're writing golf, right? Like is, is head to heads a disadvantage for them? I mean, so head to heads don't typically get released until late Monday, early Tuesday at the earliest. So you guys take in a ton of data. Is there any part, because there's so, like you said, there's such a big menu for golf betting, like first round leaders, right? That's got to be a huge win for you guys. Cause that's a dart throw that I love to enjoy. Uh, but like head to head matchups outrights, like what's the, 
what's the where do you guys take the biggest losses? I guess would be most. I would say uh, for sure the matchups and props. Um, yeah. You know, those are things that people can probably model and price better than we can. Um, and they're things that you may or may not see two way on. You know, so you put up a line on Rory versus somebody. You know, you may take a bet on a minus forty. You know, you may take a bet on a minus fifty, minus sixty, minus seventy, and mm-hmm. it it some of these matchups um it's hard to find a bet on the other side without scalping yourself um you know whereas in 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 the future book you know we're going to have a little bit of a bigger hold um and it's going to be something where we can actually write into it whereas you know some of these matchups um you know if it's a release or whatever it may be um Mm. you know it, it it's more one way action, uh, than you'd like to see. And it's, you know, with, without a ton of, you know, recreational playback, um, it's, it's really hard to earn to. So definitely matchups and props, you know, would be something that you're going to, you, you would expect to earn less in, uh, than you would booking, you know, just outright winners. I got you. Now, when you guys select the head-to-head matchups, is it just based on outright price, or do you guys factor in like, hey, this guy might have a nagging injury, or he sucks on this this particular type of grass? Like, what goes into picking the head-to-head matchups when you guys ride them? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, you know when you look at the screen, you know most people do screen matchups, so you know, look from book to book to book. Every single book has all the same matchups, um, and it's so cookie cutter. Uh, you know, some people like that, some people don't. For us, we do off-screen matchups. So Jeff uh, will make his own matchups. Um, and we think by doing that that we write more because it'll, it incentivizes people to actually bet and have an opinion on these matchups mm-hmm. as opposed to just looking at the screen and saying, oh, Circa has 20 cents better on this matchup. I'm just going to bet it because they're 20 yep. cents better. Exactly. So for us, like I said, by having off-screen matchups and being different from the other books, like I said, we actually see opinion bets, which help us book the futures and things like that. Um, so that's really why we do it. I like it. All right. So what's the biggest golf bet you've ever taken, uh, win and loss? We've taken quite a few uh, big bets on uh, Tiger Woods, you know, to win the Masters and to win a couple of the, the last few tournaments. Uh, which he did, which he didn't win. Nice. Uh, so I would, I would say those are some of the biggest, you know, bets with seven figure liabilities that we've ever really made. on tiger over the last couple of tournaments. That's insane. Yeah. And there was there, there, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get it. Obviously, you know, he, he can't walk more than 10 <laughs> feet, but um, you know, maybe if he had a cart, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've taken some pretty big tiger woods bets over the last couple of tournaments, both on the, um, on the yes side and on the no side, yeah. but uh, particularly on the yes side that left us with uh, with seven figure liability, not something we were overly concerned with. Right. Um, and then obviously subsequently when we dropped the price low enough, you know, you see bets on the no side, but yeah, uh, you know, Tiger Woods is a, uh, a needle mover and, you know, I don't, I don't know what that looks like in the future, but definitely for the last few majors, um, he was certainly somebody who was very popular at the window um, you know, not from, not necessarily from sharp guys, but you know, right. guys who just love tiger and, and want to see him win. And and, got money to burn. Apparently and Must be got nice. money to burn and <laughs> believe in that comeback story. So yeah, That's I would right. say that was the biggest, you know, some of the biggest liability we ever had, um, up to this point. 
All right, what about like the the closest call where you guys were actually going to get, get crushed, but the golfer was like in contention and you guys were like sweating on Sunday? Do, do you have anything off the top of your head with that? Um, not, not. I mean, for us, like I said, we just take so many bets and right. we have so many long odds. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Rufus, you know, he's tweeted about having, you know, Mito Pereira, you know, in the uh, PGA Championship versus. Uh, you know, JT, uh, when JT won, you know, he had a pretty big bet for us there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, there's, there's so many scenarios where guys, you know, come in you know, second, third. And then, like I said, we just have such long odds um, and we take so many big bets. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, basically every week, you know, you have, you know, six figure sweats. Um, <laughs> and then sometimes in the majors, you know, you have seven figure sweats. Ooh, buddy, <laughs> See, that's crazy. Who's uh, so? Who's the biggest liability for you guys as of Wednesday night, eight forty, uh, the night before the open? That's a good question. I, I'd have to go back and look. Like okay. I said, we have we have so much work to do to to you know finalize and figure out what our what our positions you know are are, are ultimately going to be. You know, obviously, when you look at the top of the board, we've taken some Scheffler money. Okay. Uh, taking some ROM money to today. Uh, you know, seeing a few pops on Rory. Max Homa in his home course, he's been very, very popular. Um, and then obviously as you work your way down the board, you know, some of those longer shots, you know, you take a couple, you know, 100, 200, 300, you know, nickel bets, whatever it may be, you know, those liabilities can stack up pretty fast. But yep. for us, we're going to write a ton into the pool. You know, I'd, I'd be shocked if we went into, you know, the we- the weekend, you know, needing anybody for, um, you know, seven figures. So like I said, we'll we'll, we'll go into it. You know, we'll try to position ourselves, you know, to, to need some of the golfers that we think can actually win. And, you know, like I said, hopefully the chips kind of fall our way and hopefully it's a great tournament, win or lose. All right, man. Well, listen, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I gave some really good insight. Uh, tell people where they can find you on Twitter. You're, I know you're pretty, you're more active than I am on there. That's for damn sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can find me on, uh, on Twitter at Jeffrey Benson 12. Uh, and then you can also follow our corporate account, which I don't run. Um, <laughs> that's at at Circa Sports. Um, they tweet all the, uh, the stuff that we post for golf. Yeah. You know what the theoretical hold is. You know any prop markets, things like that. Um, you know we'll post adjusted odds and things like that. And like I said, just excited for you know what what looks like it's going to be a great week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, next time we come out to Circa, uh, I think it should be the beginning of football, man. I'll, uh, I'll hit you up because this is the reason why we drive uh, across town and lay the bets at Circa and hang out there rather than on the strip. So, <laughs> Sounds good. Look forward to having you guys and uh, enjoy the week and hopefully you guys ha- you know hit a few winners. Yeah, man. I only, I, my card's small, man. It's, it's Rom and, uh, and Cam Smith and a stupid future bet on Gary Woodland. <laughs> well, good, well, good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it, man. Have a good night. You too. This episode is supported by Edge Boost. Edge Boost is the world's first bet now pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll. Get down to some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Double down on your favorite bet you like, or even use it to create an awesome middle or even hedge, which we do not support here. No hedging. Edge Boost isn't some sleazy loan shack as they charge you zero interest. You know where you can access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest. Edge Boost can also be a part of your responsible gambling plan as you set up a daily, weekly, monthly limits 
across all your betting accounts in one spot. So go support SGPN and grow your bankroll by using sportsgamingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash edge. You must be 21 or older to use. You get a problem gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everybody, Steve Shermer here, the Golf Gambling Podcast with some final thoughts for the 2023 U.S. Open as far as where the betting board kind of is shaking out tonight, who's gotten, gotten some steam, uh, who's kind of gotten a little bit of, you know, faded a little bit. Uh, and maybe you haven't placed any bets yet for the U.S. Open. Unfortunately, you probably lost a little bit of value. A lot of things have been steamed down or, um, but Look, you know, if you haven't, why don't I walk you through where the odds board kind of is right now? Give some commentary about some guys I like. Let's pretend that I hadn't made a bet uh, yet, although based on where the odds are, I think I would keep my card the same as I'll give you the reasons why. Uh, and let's go through that exercise. Let's show you where everybody is right now at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll go from there. So let's add uh, from Data Golf here. This is our outright tool. I love looking at this. It basically gives you just a high level view of where everybody's odds are. And you can try and find the best odds uh, available at your books. So over on the left here, I have most of the big public books, you know, Bet365, William Hill, FanDuel, DraftKings by GM. And then we're going to look at some of the sharper books, your Circus, your Bet Chris's, and your Bet Online's. And for a couple of these players, there's definitely been a different uh, treatment in the betting market as far as some of the sharper books and some of the public books. Uh, I'll show you a few of those guys. Well, let's start with Scotty Scheffler. Um, look, I mean, he started the week at seven to one plus six fifty, and it seems like both the public is not really scared of that number. You can see him getting bet down from bet three six five from 700 to 600 getting bet down on Caesars. He was bet down this morning on FanDuel. It seems like pricing around him is settled at six to one. And look, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to bet that, especially with, his question marks with his putter. Uh, you know, I was watching uh, golf uh, live from the U.S. Open today. It did not seem like he was very comfortable with that putter. Now, he can definitely ball strike his way to a great finish. I think he will do that. Uh, you know, I mean, if you want to look at the top 10 market for him, there is a minus 110 at Bet365. Otherwise, though, you're paying a lot of juice for a top 10 for him. I, I mean, at this point... You probably missed the boat. I like what we uh, we talked about with Pamela last night, where maybe you hope for he, he starts with a slow, you know, slow start, uh, and then you nab a position on him live. Maybe you can get that even odds or minus one hundred and five. The danger of it, though, and we'll talk about first round leader bets later. Um, I think tomorrow morning is going to be the easiest of it, um, and I think he goes off tomorrow morning. So if that's the case, he could out, get off to a good start. And then all this number is just his mark is just killed at that point. So I think you just take a chance and you just ignore him. Maybe it's just a DFS play. Maybe it's just a one and done. Maybe try and wait, see if you get a better price. But, you know, Scotty, you know, it is with this point. All right. You got John Rom. Let's go back to the win column. Uh, John Rom is settled in as the clear second favorite. Uh, I thought he was going to get some drift. Uh, this week, you know, he started off at nine to one, ten to one. I thought there might not have been a lot of buzz on Rom, and it, it. I've heard a couple picks on him, but overall, though, it does not seem like they're budging off that number. Uh, he's even come down a little bit at most of the public markets in nine to one. The sharp books have been a little hit or miss. You know, he did start to get a little bit of a, a fade on him at Circa and Beck Chris at the beginning of the week, but then towards on Tuesday, he started to get some action. A little bit of action on bet online today too, so it doesn't look like he's going to go, um, you know, anywhere past that. Uh, you know, I mean, if you are on DraftKings, there is a promotion where you can add three basis points to 
uh, and outright. So you could technically get him at 12 to one. I mean, I, I think that's a fair number. There's a lot of things about Rom you definitely can like this week. Uh, obviously, great control over the tee, has a lot of length. He does fit that criteria of 11 to 14 guys inside the top 20 in strokes gain off the tee, have won the US Open, and he's, I think, 16th in that category. You know, the iron play has been absolutely stellar lately. Uh, I mean, if there's flaws in his game around the green, he has not been all that sharp lately, and he has struggled on Bermuda surfaces around the green uh, at times. So that could be a little bit of a concern. His wedge game is also not all that great. But, I mean, if, if you want to bet 12-1 to 1 for John Rahm and then maybe go one more guy down the card, I wouldn't fault you. I didn't do it. You know, the guys I bet this week are basically hanging the same. So I'm going to stick with that. But uh, I know my co-host is on Rom, and maybe that's part of the reason why I didn't bet him. Uh, you know, if Rom ends up winning, then our show looks good. So I guess we're kind of colluding on the odds a little bit to try and boost our download numbers. Okay. All right. And then Brooks Kepka. I mean, obviously, I love Brooks Kepka. I have a top 10 bet on him. Let's actually look at that market real quick. Um, I mean, most of it is in the low, you know, plus 125 or so. But bet 365 is plus 150. Bet online has the best price. That's the price I actually got him on at plus 165. I really like that price. And um, I mean, everything I've seen about this golf course, you got to play really smart if you miss in the wrong spots and get punished. And the reason why Kepka is so good at majors is um, he just knows where to miss it. And he definitely limits a lot of damage. You saw at the PGA where he got himself in trouble on hole number six, and he ended up just getting a bogey and it limited the damage. And that helps him. And I think that's going to help a lot this week. Obviously he's won Aaron Hill, Shinnecock Hills, two polar extremes. I think of what we're going to see this week. I think LACC is going to be, Basically, right in the middle of that, you got a w golf course with wider fairways, rolling topography, firm conditions. Although Aaron Hill is, a little, is definitely a lot softer than what we'll see this week, but he won both. Uh, really good on Bermuda as well. Uh, good at Augusta National too, so he's great on the uneven lies. So, I mean, I think a top ten is a great bet on Kepka. I'm not concerned about how he just won and that he's been partying. Uh, everything he said in the press conference today, he looks like he's locked in. I liked what he uh, talked about as far as strategies of the golf course. He uh, batted down a question about how uh, you know the live in the PGA stuff. He just said, "I'm here to just work, you know, do well the majors, and that's why I'm so good at it." I love that confidence. I I, I don't think he's going to win though, just from the basis of. All his major wins, he's played the week before, and I oh, I always love seeing that little cruise control 65 on Sunday. He didn't get that, but I think a top 10 is definitely in order for him there. So, uh, I mean, back to his outright prices, though. I mean, 11 to 1, 10 to 1. I mean, it's in the same boat. I guess if you just want a single bullet, one of those guys, or pair him with somebody in the, you know, the 20s or 30s or so, you can do that. But uh, if you bet him, I don't fault you. Uh, my route is just going to be a top 10 there. All right, Rory. I know it's not a popular pick. Uh, even I have seen and heard uh, pushback of, of my pick of Rory this week, not just from my co-host. I get it, guys. All right. I understand that the echo chamber this week is this is not a Rory course, which I I struggle with that notion I, because it seems like that statement has just been floated on the air without any backup. People are just saying, well, this isn't a Rory course without any explanation. Well, I mean, I can give you the explanation I, because this was the argument I made at the beginning of the week. Obviously, with the wedges, that is a problem, and there are definitely key holes on this golf course where a wedge is a problem. Number three, number six, number 10, 12, and number 15. 
And if a par and, and a par five, he, he gets in trouble on. Well, at hole number three, it's uphill to the largest green on the golf course. So, you know, I mean, as long as he doesn't dump in one of those bunkers, he could be relatively okay to escape with a par. It seems like he's going to go for the green on number six, so he'll bypass that wedge at that point. Now, I don't know if that's really a good strategy at all, but it seems like that's going to be alleviated there. I think 10 could be a problem. If you screw up that wedge shot, you can turn a birdie into a bogey. Same thing with number 12. Uh, that can be an issue. Uh, I mean, obviously on the par fives, that can be an issue too, but maybe it's a little overblown. Um, I mean, wedges can definitely turn around quick for him. And over the last year and a half or so, he's actually been fairly good in that category. Just very recently, he's been really bad. Uh, the second thing is you can't really spray it at this place. I understand that notion. Uh, you know, even though there are 70 wide yard fairways in some points, really the best place to be is 25 to 30 yards. But Look, I mean, I still think length is going to be an advantage for a guy like Rory, and he has had a lot of better control with the driver over the last couple of weeks. And if he has a great driving week, yes, everybody's going to get some roll-up, but so will he. And he has a nice high draw. There's a lot of really crucial tee shots that command a high draw. I saw him even hitting some really nice control fades on the range today, too. Looks like the driver is on point. Seems like he really is in a good place mentally with... You know, just coming into this major, not talking to the media, maybe with the PGA Tour and the PIF stuff, kind of finalized, and maybe that's off his play at this point. Maybe he's kind of resigned to the, all that stuff, and you can just move on. And everybody's starting to count out a guy who has been in the last two groups the last two weeks, did not have the best of the PGA, and still finished top 10. Is great at Augusta National. Has uh, the one time he played Kapalua, actually, because he never plays that tournament. Finished fourth. So the uneven lies is not a concern. I know there is really good history on firm conditions like Chambers Bay and uh, Carnoustie. So he can do well on firm conditions here. Really good U.S. Open track record. Excellent track record on Bermuda tee to green courses. Uh, he just he won Congaree last fall. That was pretty firm with some tight lies around the green. Uh, Jumeirah States over in uh, in a. Uh, Dubai over there. That's Bermuda with some thick, you know, Bermuda rough there. So just a lot of things are going for him at this golf course. I really like him. And you can get him at 16 to 1 at a couple places. A bet online at DK, you can take that promotion and add three basis points to him, make him 19 to 1. That's not bad. So I would still stick with my Rory bet. It's on my card. If you don't like it, I'm not forcing you to bet it. I get it. It's not a very popular pick. It's just what I'm going to pick. My job is to tell you the types of players to bet and how the golf course is going to play. Not really who to pick. That's just my personal decision. So he's on my card. It can't lay. It also seems like just not a lot of steam. Definitely not a lot of public support here. The price started 14 to 1, has drifted to 16 to 1. Uh, circa, nobody is really on him. He got a little bit of action today, but overall, though, but bet online, he's up to 20 to 1. And I, again, I understand the argument against Cantley that he just never is in a major. But eventually, he will. He's not going to go his entire career without ever being in the mix. He's too talented of a player. And I think this is just kind of a gut call on my part. Uh, I came in the beginning of the week saying he wasn't very good on Bermuda. Well, he's played this course two dozen times, and that's been Bermuda. Uh, his home course in California converted to Bermuda and Bentgrass Greens. Uh, in 2015. So he's played a lot there in Bermuda. He lives in Jupiter, Florida. He's a member at Medalist. He plays Seminole a lot. That's one of his favorite courses. Rory actually mentioned today there's a lot of Seminole 
uh, in this place. And Patrick Cantlay, I think, won the uh, member pro there one year, and he plays a lot there. So maybe at this point, the Bermuda thing is a little bit overblown. His event results recently haven't been all that horrible on him either. So look, with that, the Bermuda issue clear for me, I still would bet him. Um, I understand again if you wouldn't. So it is what it is. And then Xander, that was the other guy I bet. I got him at 21-1, but he has definitely gotten a lot of popularity, especially in the public markets here. Uh, down to 18 to 1 on Bet365, down to 16 to 1 on Bet Online too. So it seems like both getting uh money with both sharp books and public books. I mean, at this point though, if you can't stomach 16 to 1 on Xander when he never wins, I get it. I probably wouldn't at this point. Um, if you know, I got him at 21 to 1, like that 20 range is kind of where I wanted him, but it, you're haggling over a couple of base points. I mean, the case for Xander is great at Kapalua, great at Augusta National, compete, contended at Aaron Hill, or did well at Aaron Hills, did well at Shinnecock Hills. So again, two polar extremes of U.S. Opens that I think can comp this place. Uh, he's done well at, can do well at Uneven Lies. The iron play has been tremendous. Hits a nice draw off the tee, too. Um, you know, I, and I, I, I think, I think... He's gone too long without contending in a major or being in the mix, and I think this is going to be it. So I would still bet Rory Cantlay or Xander on my card. Um, you know, at, at probably they're good in price. And then Hovland. This is the last guy that's kind of in that separate tier before we go down, before there's a little bit of gap. Um, look, I mean, not a whole lot of action on Hovland in the public markets, probably because everybody was already on him uh, at really good prices. So, but at Circa, he's been a little bit up and down, hasn't really got a whole action in the sharp books. I guess my gut call on him, and I talked about this last night, is all the attention is on him this week. He is very popular pick to win. Uh, I think he was three of the six picks on um, the ESPN picks. He was a multiple selection on um, PGAtour.com. So I think his short game deficiencies, because he has to have a lot more types of things in his arsenal this week, Maybe they might get him. Maybe all the attention and the pressure is going to be a little too much on him. So maybe this is the one he kind of bombs out and at Royal Liverpool, at, uh, Royal Liverpool in a month. Maybe that's his first major. So I think I'm off on Hovland. I know my co-host bet him to miss the cut. I did just to kind of join him on that. You get that at three to one. I think that's not a bad play. All right, so down the card. So who else is getting steam here? So because there is definitely a clear separation between Hovland and everybody else. Um, I mean. You know, the prices on speed right now, you can get them anywhere from 20 to 30 on DraftKings. And if you take that boost, it's 33 to 1. Um, you know, speed is starting to get some late support. Uh, FanDuel, he was hit and he went down to 22 to 1. Some of the sharper books, too. Uh, you know, he got, he drifted a little bit on bat line, back down to 25 to 1 today. He got hit a little bit on uh, bat Chris, too, before it was, uh, he got offset. But I mean, I, I think I've heard Speed's name a lot on a lot of the shows as far as just, all right, he's won Chambers Bay and he's won Kapalua, he's won Augusta National. So the notion that really wide fairways, short game matters, putting, you know, I, I, I get the argument. I think maybe we're forgetting, though, that his long iron play is still kind of bad. So I don't think that's great. Um, he's, I think he's still dealing with the wrist injury. His distance numbers are way down from what they were the last couple tournaments. So he's fighting something with it. And that could be an issue if he's doesn't have quite as good of a command off the tee as he has the last couple of tournaments. The fact he's not hitting it quite as far, that can be an issue. So, um, 
I'm definitely not bet. I don't think I'm betting speed in any capacity this week. He's not in my betting card at all. Um, some other guys are getting some steam though. Uh, Fina was starting to get a little bit of steam on some of the sharper books and definitely on some of the public books down to 30 to one on FanDuel. still hanging at 40 though. I mean, that's a good price for Finau at 40 to one. I mean, considering no one's on him, the ball striking numbers. I mean, the last couple of tournaments hasn't been very good with the irons, but overall though, you know, his iron numbers have been strong this year. Got the length off the tee, pretty good around the green. Uh, one in Memorial Park with some type Bermuda lies onto undulated greens. So I get it. If that's something you want to bet, 40 to 1. Um, you know, that's a flyer. Otherwise, though, I mean, 28 to 1, 30 to 1, not really loving that price on Finau because he hasn't really contended any majors. But if you want to add a 40 to 1 guy who was, I mean, what, 25 to 1 last month at the PGA, I wouldn't fault you. Uh, Hatton has gotten a lot of steam this week. Um, not from just the public, a little bit of late steam too, from some of the sharper books here, uh, getting hit a little bit today. Uh, but yeah, the public, it definitely seems like they're all over Hatton. I have a bad feeling about him just as far as the fact that I think some of his strong strokes gain off the T numbers are a little fraudulent, not really elite, uh, distance wise, not really elite accuracy wise. Maybe then getting kind of in trouble this week, uh, at this place. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know if he's going to like this golf course. So, but he's getting a lot of action down to about 30 to one on most books. That, that's a, I think a stay away from me. Um, Morikawa is starting to get a, a little bit of steam, especially on some of these sharper books. I think they might've been waiting for uh, an injury report. He touched 40 to one around here and then came out today that his back injury uh, isn't really a thing. Uh, the reason why he's crouching to tee up the ball is because he just wants to manage it. And then as soon as it, that word got out, starting getting hammered a little bit on the public books, definitely got hammered on the sharper books. And I mean, this is my, this is my nightmare scenario at this point. Um, because I said back in December, Morikawa was going to win. Obviously he's got the Walker Cup connections and I watched a lot of that Walker Cup. He played exceptionally well during it. Um, I mean, I get it. I you got the people who got 40 to one on Morikawa when he was low twenties two weeks ago. That's that's really good. That's that's a very good price. Uh if you can, I mean, I, it doesn't seem like you're gonna get that best is you're gonna get 35. If you're still a believer in Morikawa, there's avenues for that. I I I wouldn't fault you on that. That might be one I reconsider at this point. Knowing what I know now, maybe swapping out Cantley for Morikawa. Just to go with my gut on that one. Um, Justin Thomas also seems like he's getting a little bit of late steam. Uh, he was hit here on FanDuel. He was, uh, somebody hit him big on Circa. Uh, he was 50 to one now down to 41 to one. So maybe someone's just saying like, all right, it's Justin Thomas 50 to one. I don't know. I don't really know how much I buy it. Um, I just, something's off with him. I think it's an injury. I think that's still a stay away. I mean, he's drifted to 55 to one on bet online. You know, I, that's still probably a pass for me. Um, Bryson has gotten a little bit of love late, you know, especially with some of the sharper books. I I'm out on Bryson. I said it last night, just the uneven lies. Uh, he's getting a lot of scene to he's down to 33, one on William Hill, 41, most other places. That's a pass. Ricky has been getting a lot of uh, action, both on public books and sharp books started the week off at 75 to one and 65 to one on some of the sharper books down closer to 60 and 50 to one there public books just offered him at really bad price at the beginning of the week 
um, you know, 45, 51, which actually is about where data golf has him. So it's not f- tremendously far off where they have him. So like bet online is 50 to one. They have a data golf has a 50. So technically that's positive EV there. Um, you know, bet MGM still has him 50 to one. Vandal is still in 51. I don't think he's actually going to win, but you know, I mean, there's some good positional prices on him. Oh, let's get rid of that. Um, you know, what's he for like a top 10 or top 20? So top 20 and Ricky Fowler f- is, you know, you get close to two to one at bet 365. That's not bad. 170, you know, 170 DraftKings. All he's been really doing is top 20 lately. Maybe that's an avenue for him. I do like Ricky this week. There are a lot of golf courses that I comp to this week that I like him to. I think he can do very well this week. Uh, I know he burned a lot of people with the PGA, but I don't think he's going to win, but that's definitely one I can see we can go in the positional on. Uh, and then just some other guys getting a little bit of late action. Um, I think people are just betting Sam Burns because he does have a lot of win equity and the number is tremendously high. So dipping down to 71 on FanDuel, got hit a little bit on um, you know, uh, Circa as well. I, I He still hasn't truly contended in a major. I understand it's Bermuda and the Bermuda Burns thing, but I mean, if you don't like Rory because you're afraid he's going to spray it, what do you think about Sam Burns? And that's all he really does. So probably passed me there. Uh, Adam Scott definitely has gotten a lot of love this week. Uh, he's positional only for me, but it would not surprise me for him to finish in the top 10. I was conservative because I found a really good top 30 price at plus 165. I really like that. Um, his top 20 market, I think that is absolutely viable. So let's go and see that right now. Yeah, plus like you're you're getting like plus 275 at bet online, plus 260 at bet 265. Plus 230 DraftKings. I really like those odds a lot uh, for Adam Scott. So I think that is definitely a nice add to your betting card for a top 20 on Adam Scott there. Maybe not for the win. And then Tagala is also getting a lot of steam, um, I think, today in the last couple of days, too. I mean, Capper and I don't really like him a whole lot. But I think people are just looking at, especially, yeah, look at all this action on the sharper books. Uh, Got hit. Starting last Tuesday, down to 110 to 1 on Circa from where he was at 125. Uh, got hit a couple times on Bet Chris. Uh, he was 135 on Ben Line. That got hit today to 125. No action with the public. So it seems like Sharps are just seeing a little bit of value possibly with Sahit Tagala. He does have a lot of upside. Maybe it's just low hanging fruit, the fact they saw him do well at Riviera and they think there's a crossover here. I We've talked a lot about it. I don't see a lot of Riviera in this place. So that's it. I mean, that's it for outrights as far as guys who are getting a lot of steam. Uh, you know, who isn't right now? Surprisingly, Cam Smith not getting a tremendous amount of action, although actually sharp money is starting to come in on him. He was 30 to one a couple of days ago at Bet Online, down to 25 to one. So I and I actually that that's one where um of all the guys hanging around 30 to one or so between like Spieth, um, you know, Finau, Hatton, Morikawa, Fitzpatrick, even. I, I think I like Smith the best. I, I, I love the case on Smith. Playing well on Liv. I understand that it's just Liv golf, but, you know, I mean, you're still playing golf shots at the end of the day, and the golf shots I've seen him hit over there look really good. This type of golf course seems like it fits him. Uh, a lot of comps to Australian Sandbell courses. I think he also made that comp in his interview today. Wider fairways, rolling topography, firm conditions, tremendous bent grass putter, tremendous scrambler too. Um, I found a great top 20 price that doesn't get dead heated at plus 150 at the beginning of the week. Um, let's see if that's actually still available. That was available on Bet Online, And yeah, all right, plus 140. 
Otherwise, though, I mean, not great. I think if you only have access to some of these public books, I think you're looking to get up to, yeah, three to one for a top 10 on Cam Smith. That's pretty good. Uh, if I didn't have access to that other top 20, I probably would have gone with the top 10. I, I really like Cam Smith this week. I don't think he's going to win, but I mean, for what he can bring to this golf course, you can find 30s on him still. I do like that a lot. Uh, Homa, I thought, was going to get a lot more steam. Maybe because people kind of like Hovland already had a future on him a little bit late in the week. But otherwise, though, you know, Circa, he's drifted past 30. Uh, FanDuel, he's drafted back into 35 or so. Um, you know, he got got hit a little bit on bad line, drifted back to 33 to 1. I mean, I maybe this is the one for Homa where he actually starts to contend. I'm just not betting him at this point. Um, I think eventually he might be good at a major, but I, it's not for me. So, you know, and then some other guys you might want to consider. Let's go to, you know, top, you know, 20 market. Just see what kind of catches my eye. Um, you know, I mean, we already talked about Fowler. That's, you can consider that. Um, I think, I think Fitzpatrick's going to show well. Um, this U.S. Open, firm conditions, top scoring conditions. He's been really good in those types of tracks. But, I mean, best you can find is 145 on him for a top 20. Maybe that's a stay away at that point. Um, otherwise though, I think looking down the board for, you know, you can go Matsuyama plus 180, uh, for a top 20. That's one on my betting card. I really like Hideki this week. Uh, you can go Fleetwood top 20 plus 180 as well. You can get that a couple books over here. You know, I mean, two guys who have done very well at some firmer, wider fairways with firm and fast conditions. Uh, I mean, you just saw Tommy Fleetwood do very well last week. Uh, his iron play has been pretty good this year. Uh, you know, been potting pretty well too. Good short game. Same thing with Hideki Matsuyama's iron game has been really good the last couple of tournaments. Great short game. I think that really matters a lot this week. So those are two guys. I think top ten, top twenty market is is definitely viable. We talk about Adam Scott for top twenty. Some more guys consider for a top twenty. You know, Mita Pereira. Yeah, I just, I, I've mentioned a couple times this week. I think he's just too. He's just more talented than some of the guys around him. That's available for like plus 275 for top 20. Siwoo Kim is playing really good golf right now. Really accurate, so good control over the ball. Him, his iron's really good. Great scrambler, too. He played really well at Aaron Hills a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, this is going to be a little firmer than that place. So you worry about his headspace. But, I mean, that's an option if you want to go for that for a top 20. Um, Cam Davis for a top 20, plus 460 on Circa, plus 400 DK. You know, some of the uh, you know Australian sandbelt narratives. He's a really good long iron player. Uh, hits it pretty far, too. That's an option. Uh, Harris English has been pretty good at U.S. Open setups. Uh, I saw an interview today. Seemed like he called the golf course kind of fun. So maybe he has a good head play, headspace for this place. You can get him a plus 450 for a top 20. Uh, Patrick Rogers is a guy I like a lot this week. Uh, you know, Data Golf likes him a lot. Uh, you can get plus four, 550 for a top 20 for him. Um, uh, it, I, I, I am for a first round leader, but I'll talk about it a little bit. But if you want a little bit more of a long shot, top 20, Rogers definitely can fit. Um, you know, really good, pretty good around the green, great bank grass putter. Uh, definitely has some distance off the tee that can work for you. So, where do I think the winner is going to come? I mean, I, I wouldn't get too cute. Um, I went through my little elimination exercise a couple days ago. Basically, it's, it, it came down to Scotty, Rom, Brooks, Rory, Cam. I mean, pretty much all your favorites. Cam Smith, definitely you can consider. Um, 
Fitzpatrick's not going back to back. I think that's it. I think it's really going to come from this range. And then you just got to kind of decide at that point. Um, I think everybody else, like there's a lot of guys I like down here. I took care of them with positionals. I think you should too. That's that. Um, some other th- stuff we can talk about briefly before I get out of here. Cut line and winning score. So I said at the beginning of the week, I thought it was going to be 10 under. Uh, I've rev- I, I think it's going to play a little harder now because it does seem like the golf course is firming up. I think probably eight under is a good bet uh, for that, but that's that's exactly where the winning score line is, is right now. It's around 271 and a half. It's around 272 and a half or so. Uh, I saw him bet online. It was 271 and a half. We started to get some money in on the over on that. Then it flipped to 272 and a half, and now we're seeing money coming in on the under. So it seems like that's a little bit of the tipping point right there. Uh, I think that's a really good line that they set, so I don't see an advantage there. Same thing with the cut line. I thought it was going to be plus three or plus four, and that's where the cut line is. I didn't end up betting that. So, um, gun to my head though, if you still get a 271 and a half, I think I like the over, uh, just a smidge though, but it only takes one guy to ruin it. So don't go nuts with that one. Uh, and then finally, the first on Leon, I can talk a little bit of a wave split, uh, because that's a conversation too. I, I think I was listening to USGA this morning and it does seem like. You know, they, 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 they kept mentioning how they wanted this golf course to stay true to the George Thomas, how, how he built it, basically, how he designed it. And it got me thinking as well about how they might set it up tomorrow. Um, and listen, George Thomas is known to have handshake holes, handshake par fives, get you really started easy into a round before he goes. I can definitely see the USGA tomorrow. Setting up a pretty, ben- having a pretty benign setup. You know, this is a newer golf course. We don't really know how things are going to go with it. You know, I don't really want to piss off the players right from the jump uh, with this place. And we've seen for the past couple of U.S. Opens that it has started off a little bit easier. You know, Brookline guys got off to a really good start last year. And Wingfoot guys got off to a really good start. Torrey, they got off to a good start. Pebble, they got off to a good start. And then gradually as the days go on, it's gotten progressively harder. And that's, I think, what's going to happen here. I think, you know, it's going to end up being really firm by the, by the end of the tournament because the sun is going to come out. But I think they're going to ease these guys into uh, this tournament. So as far as tomorrow for first on leader, you know, in the morning, it's going to be cloudy, but the sun's going to come out in the afternoon and it is going to start firming up then. So I think first on leader is definitely coming from uh, the morning. So I have my betting card this week. A bunch of guys go in the morning, you know, Morikawa, Fowler, Rose, Scott, Reed, and Patrick Rogers. All those guys you can be find over 50 to one. Um, Reed can be high, found as high as, high as 81. I really like those guys, you know, all of them except for Morikawa are pretty good putters on bent grass, um, have a lot of experience on firm and fast conditions other than Patrick Rogers. But, and then as far as Morikawa goes, I mean, that's how I'm going to get exposure on my card. Uh, I mean, if it's really benign conditions tomorrow morning, not a lot of wind, greens look like they're still going to be a little receptive tomorrow before they start firming up a lot over the weekend. Maybe you can go low with like a 65 or 64. Uh, but as far as a wave split, though, I do think the guys going off tomorrow afternoon and Friday morning are going to have a slight advantage because I do think it's going to be a little bit of an easier setup with the pin positions on Thursday. I'll get up, give opportunity guys opportunities to get some birdies. But then Friday as the golf course firms up, I think they'll have a more difficult setup on Friday. At that point, you really want to be in the morning when it's still cloudy. The wind is down because once the afternoon comes and the sun is out and you have difficult pins, I think it's going to be really difficult for those guys. So I think a slight advantage to tomorrow afternoon, Friday morning, and then we'll see. 
So, all right. I hope you enjoyed this video. I know it was long-winded, but it's a major. So I had a lot to say. So good luck with all your bets this week. And uh, we'll talk to you next week for the Travelers.